Oh, what's happening? I be clapping when y'all tuning in. Water's edge, church finger snapping then. Oh, that was my Sunday morning. Good morning. It is June 12th. Hey, we are uh, continuing starting Why We Walk to the Water's Edge series. We, we began it last week on the beach. Um, this is a teaching that we'll have today. It's a somewhat preaching and teaching, but this series is really outlining our values as a church. And what are our values? We are grounded in the Word. That's this week. Uh, next week, we're talking about being attentive to the Spirit. We are attentive to the Spirit. Our hope is that that Sunday will be a little bit more workshop-esque. The 26th of June, we embrace others. What does that mean? To love others well. And there will be a, a guest speaker and a Q&A with me and that person. Looking forward to that. And then finally, on the 3rd of July, we rest. And this will be a day where we head back to the beach again together, but it will be no formal liturgy. Uh, there'll be no talk, no music, no coffee set up. Bring your own coffee. Just sand toys, surfboards, and sunscreen. And I've preached a lot of times on rest. I've never really truly practiced it with others. So I just feel the invitation to do that for us all to head to the beach early in the morning and to spend time together. So uh, these are our four values, grounded in the word, attentive to the spirit, embrace others, and rest. And they are the four values that describe our culture as a church. They're not all the values of what it means to be the church. Of course, there's more, and there's a lot that can fit under these. However, these for us, provide the necessary buoys as we navigate the open waters of ministry. See the water metaphor there? Water's Edge Church. Okay. Did I say who I am? I'm Andy Kelly. How's it going? So let me pray as we step into today's topic. Father, Lord, King, we invite you here today. We pray your kingdom life come, your will be done. Lord, give us what we need. Jesus, you know what we need. Holy Spirit, help us to live the forgiven life, forgiving others. Guide our steps, good God. Protect us from evil and the evil one. For you, Lord, you're the kingdom, you're the power, you're the glory. Help us to hear what you want, Holy Spirit. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. And as I speak, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So I mentioned our first value. We are grounded in the word. So what does that mean? That means we, Water's Edge, believe that the Bible is the authoritative, normative truth for all believers. Normative, authoritative, authoritative, normative. It has supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. It has been preserved both in the Old and the New Testaments. We ground ourselves in this living and active collection of historical narratives, wisdom literature, poetry, letters, prophecies, etc., etc., because it records God's intimacy with and purpose for his creation, and the scriptures also continue to speak to us today about God, about God's love, about God's purpose. The Bible was given to us by God as a tangible expression of God's self and God's truth. A lot of people say it's true because it's in the Bible. And I would say, yeah, that sounds right. But it's also true on its own terms. It's true on its own terms because God is truth. And we'll talk about 
more about why the Bible and what the Bible and even is how, but I just want to name that opening prologue, if you will, without qualifying it. We believe the Bible's normative, authoritative, supreme authority in faith and conduct. It's been preserved all of it in the old and new, that it speaks to us. We are grounded in the word. I like that word grounded because even as you step towards the waters with the wind of the Holy Spirit to your back, I like this idea that the Bible provides like a groundwork, a framework. It's this external objective guide given to essentially guide our steps. In a world of relativity and subjectivity, having a basis outside of ourself matters or we'll fall into inevitable chaos that belongs to this synchristic idea that we guide our own steps, that we know what is right. Because a lot of times what we believe is right can come into conflict with what others believe is right. So we need, God's given this gift of the Bible to guide us as an external objective reference, a guide. That all said, how do you experience the Bible? What is your experience of the Bible? That's one of the questions we're going to ask in church today. But I think it's helpful to recognize that not all people believe that God, Bible is this welcoming home, but some, some see it as hostile territory. I think... And there's a lot of space in between those two continuums. And I'm sure there's even further out continuums. When people discuss hearing, reading, attempting to understand, meditating, reading, reflecting, praying the scriptures. Is it a welcoming place or is it a hostile place? And I think one thing we all can agree on is it's, it is it is very complex. Especially when you first start reading it. I was, I was overwhelmed. I love Jesus and knew the Bible mattered to my faith, but I remember years ago thinking like, oh man, which translation do I start with? Is this like one story or multiple stories? Where do you start? Do you start in Genesis? Do you start with Jesus? And there's so many books written about this book and so many books written about the books within this book. And as I recognize that it is complex, I want to say we're going to try to answer some questions today. We're not going to get to all of them, but us exploring, reading, praying, reflecting, and meditating in the Bible, it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey. It's, it's not something that we master. In fact, as we read the scriptures and understand it's the Holy Spirit that has authored the scriptures and that speaks to us and that reads it, there's a lot there theologically that I said, but the Holy Spirit's working in it. it essentially, the, the Bible reads us. The Bible, in many ways, masters us. It, it speaks into our lives, our context, in these unique contexts that we read from. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the, Bible, or for the Word of God is alive and active, which is the Bible, the Word of God, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Bible's complex. The goal is to enter in and see what God has for us. In many ways, as we read it, let it read us. But as we think about barriers to the Bible, I think one of the barriers of the Bible is not necessarily the Bible itself, though there's a lot of complexity. It is the J4B Club. 
the J4B Club. Uh, who is that? Um, well, the J4B Club is a denomination that's been around for a long time. It's the Jerks for the Bible Club, and they are everywhere. These are those who love to immerse their lives in the Bible, but their lives don't really reflect the fruit of Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, uh, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, um, kindness, and self-control. They uh, don't reflect their lives. The J4B Club don't reflect Christ's priority, his mission to love God and love others and to serve others wholeheartedly. These are those people who love historically to pop off scriptures for their own intent, for their own purposes. Their lives don't reflect Christ's priorities, Christ's character. And it's very tempting to be in this club, especially in the beginning, because as you think you read the Bible, you, you receive this power, you memorize the scriptures. And, and many have done that historically to reinforce their own powers. You hear it from political officials, presidents, attorney generals. You hear it from CEOs. You hear it from clan, clan members. You hear it a lot that people use the Bible to reinforce their own agendas. And we'll get into that. But what we need to know is this was very true from the very beginning. Jesus had his own J4B club. You see that a lot when you read about the Pharisees, the elders, and the teachers of the law. And it was true that this happened when the church expanded outside of this backwoods towns uh, in the Middle East as it went along the Roman Empire. In the first century, a new religion arose called Gnosticism. And these were people who were so fixated on their own power, their own spiritual elitism. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowing. I know more than you. And this was, these people were taking some of the aspects of the Christian faith as well as some other aspects of the mythology of uh, ancient Greco-Romanism, maybe even some of the legalism, the Judaism, and they were kind of making their own faith where they felt like they knew more than others. And this was affecting the gospel because people love power. People love to use religious intent for their own purposes. And so while the Apostle Paul was languishing in a cell in his last few days or months, in his last few years, his last year of ministry, he writes to his disciple to return to the scriptures and to return to preaching the word, which means understanding it and keeping your head in the game, to endure hardship, to love others, to continue the work. And in this, he talks about Timothy and the need to uh, understand the scriptures and to preach the scriptures. And he writes this, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. I like the New Living Translation. Uh, NIV and the New International Version really does a good job with this. But I'm going to read the New Living Translation today. It has a great, really great contextualization. It, I think it honors the original form what helps us understand the function for today. So, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. This is Paul talking to his disciple Timothy. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They've been given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. Some translation says God breathe. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. 
and God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the question I want to ask from the very beginning is why? The continued why. Why are we grounded in the word? Let's start from the end. Sometimes I like to start from the beginning. It's a crescendo statement for sure. We start from this one. This one matters, but it's not the ultimate matter. This one matters, but it's not the ultimate one. The third point matters the most. This one matters, though. It prepares us and equips us to do good works. This is the verse we just read. 2 Timothy 3, 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's not much of an academic leap to say our good work equals loving God and loving others. As the scriptures themselves say, Jesus says that in Matthew 22. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. Deuteronomy 6, 5. And this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equal important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says this, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two com- commandments. This is good works. These are good works. And, and you see what that practical looks like later in Matthew 25. It means not only just to love on what you think what loving is, but to feed somebody who's hungry, to give somebody a drink of water, to invite them into your homes, to clothe them, to participate in their healing, to visit the, those who are in prison. We see it expand in the Great Commission now. We go and make disciples, teaching others what Jesus said, baptizing them, just like we had baptisms last week, helping them understand that Jesus is with us to the very end of the age. To love is to take on the priorities of Jesus as well as owning the character of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And if someone is reading the Bible and they don't reflect this, if they're not loving, if they know the scriptures and are not doing good works, then they're not really reading the Bible. They're missing the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And that actually transitions to our next point. Why are we grounded in the Word of God? Well, we read the scriptures, we meditate on them to hear directly from God. To hear directly from God. Verse 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. This is more than inspired. This is in spirit. There is a spirit that is author of the scriptures. It is written by humans who are divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. The scriptures were written by the Holy Spirit through humans. And as we think about this idea of the scriptures being written, there's a phrase that's used a lot, that the Bible is not written to us, meaning us when I say us, but it's written for us. And I believe that is mostly true, especially as you consider reading the Bible academically, that the Bible is written um, as it's an ancient cultural statement, um, and it's written to ancient cultures who have different languages, different daily practices. It's written to people who are experiencing an an array of circumstances, some persecution, some pain, some we will never know. And the beauty is, is God has revealed himself completely to these women and men in their different immediate contexts. And so it's good to understand that as we read the scriptures. But it's also good to understand that God is in the business of revelation. God loves to speak, and God is not limited to our study habits. What I'm saying is there's freedom to approach the scriptures, to hear from God without much understanding the scriptures, as God can use words or phrases to speak to us. That's the beauty of the idea that the scriptures are written by God, And the scriptures are illuminated by God, meaning the Holy Spirit in you can use what's written there by the Holy Spirit to speak to you something 
uh, unique and helpful. Now, how do I know if it's the word of God or my own imagination? And we'll kind of talk about that more next week as it pertains to being attentive to the spirit. But God has given us um, one another to help us discern the scriptures. And in fact, you see that uh, when Paul talks to Timothy, he says, if you know they're true, for you can trust those who taught you. You can trust the people who, who know the scriptures. Who, and, and the way you trust them is that you know they love you. I think that's, as you consider a word or phrase from scripture that, that this stands out to you, that's a primary question. Is it loving? Is it helpful? Is it edifying and corrective? As we immerse ourselves in prayer and immerse ourselves in a faith community, and this is important, immerse ourselves in the scriptures, we will be able to discern what God is saying to us at different times in our reading. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Um, this means that the more you read, the more you understand, and the more you seek hear God through Bible, the more you'll be able to be equipped to discern what God says to you through the Bible. Um, the Bible is inspired, and it is. We are free to approach the scripture, I believe, with expectation to allow God to speak to us. And sometimes God speaks very loudly to us. God could speak in no uncertain terms about our lives. If something's out of order, if a relationship needs to be um, valued. And speaking of value, sometimes God just wants to speak value to us through the Bible, how much we are loved. Sometimes God doesn't say anything when we're reading. And I think sometimes it's helpful to realize that in relationships, there may be silence. And silence can be a very good thing. Silence um, can help us realize that we are just content being with one another. What if that were true when we have silence from God, recognizing that he's just content being with us? Why are we grounded in the word? Well, we're grounded in the word because it equips us to do good works. We are grounded in the word because we want to hear from God and God speaks to us through it. And then lastly, why are we grounded in the word? Uh, this is very important. It directs us to Jesus' story. It directs our story to Jesus' story. So it reorients us. It directs our lives, which can be very self-focused, into a greater narrative, God's story. That when we start our day in God's story, our eyes would be open to the, to the larger meta-narrative of what's happening, of God's continued story in and through our lives. In verse 13 and 14, Paul says, you must remain faithful to things you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you could trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Major role in the Bible is to direct us to Jesus. The written word connects us to the living word. So I think about that. As I think about this point, and I think about a time when I heard from Scripture, um, I think about when I was reading Daniel 2.21. And there was this amazing time where I was just reading this scripture, Daniel 2.21, and it said something along the lines of, God sets up kings and deposes them. He takes them down. He changes the seasons. He changes the time and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. And when I heard that, I, I heard a very 
clear word from God. It's that it's time for a new season. And this happened to be as I was uh, following Jesus, but uh, recognizing that my life wasn't completely given to Jesus. And I realized like, oh man, I've tried to be my own king for so long. And Jesus is the rightful king of my life. And this is a time for a new season where he is. I remember that, hearing that very clearly. And, and as I hear that, it's like, okay, is that exactly what's happening in this context? Daniel's trying to interpret dream for King Nebuchadnezzar, and he, God gives him revelation, so he sings his praise, and then he interprets his dream, which is all really cool. But I, I don't necessarily know if that's the same context that I was going through, but it's definitely true that the Holy Spirit deposes kings of their own right in order to elevate God. It's true that Jesus changes the seasons of our lives. It's also like an awesome opportunity to, to read the word and recognize that God was directing my story to Jesus' story. And as we think about Daniel, it's in the Old Testament. Um, there's a great phrase that the Old Testament concealed is the New Testament revealed. In, in other words, the Old Testament, it, it anticipates, it leads up to the life of Jesus. And the New Testament really is reflecting back on the life of Jesus and how it does indeed change everything. We read the Bible to reorient our lives, that recognize that we're part of God's story, that Acts 28 is not necessarily the closing chapter of the church. Your life continues the story. It only continues through us. And if somehow you like Jesus, but you don't like the Bible, it's worth noting that Jesus points to the scriptures because he knows the scriptures point to him. Jesus points to scriptures as the scriptures point to him. This was an Instagram post this week that Jesus tells the J4B club in his day, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that you, in them you have eternal life. These very scriptures testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me for life. The scriptures are meant to direct us towards God. Also in Luke 24, when Jesus talks to his disciples, after he meets with the two on the Emmaus Road, he, he meets the other disciples and he tells them, when I was with you, I told you everything about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, essentially the Old Testament. They must be fulfilled. They anticipated me. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He tells them that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. This great commission that erupts out of Luke 24 and is culminated uh, in, in the beginning of the church, Acts. The Bible is primarily about Jesus' story, but it invites us into the story. The Bible can help us with our own problems, our relationships, our vocations, so forth, but it's given with the intent to receive the salvation that comes with trusting in Jesus, given the intent to hear from God as we seek to do good works with God. Now, there's a lot more I could write about the why. But there's one thing I just want to say that a lot of people, especially the J4B Club, the Jerks of the Bible Club, they'll say, if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not reflecting and meditating on it, if you're not memorizing it, then that person is condemned or completely lost. That person is not spiritual. That person's stupid. And that's just not true. What I will say is that if... if if we're not reading or reflecting on the scriptures, 
on our own and together, I believe that we're missing out. We're missing out, missing out on an opportunity to see how your story intersects God's story, to hear from God and respond, to rest, to find rest in God's word. We have to understand that Jesus himself is a translation and that the Holy Spirit is our translator. And we can have a conversation with Jesus about the scripture. We miss out an opportunity to actually, if we don't read it because we dismiss it because it's too hard or there's difficult statements in there, and there are difficult statements. What do you do with Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt just because you look back? What do you do with this call to um, the, to take out the Canaanites, to, to devote them to destruction? What do you do with that? When Moses is not allowed in the promised land, those are great opportunities to have a conversation with Jesus about that and to study that and to lean in, to see what's truly happening. Maybe we won't understand completely, but we can have a very, fairly concrete and intellectual as well as deeply spiritual, connective understanding of what's happening there. We don't miss out on the opportunity. There's so much God has for us as we read the Bible. And now this next section, I just want to take 10 minutes to talk about the what and the how. And I've actually given some handouts. Uh, years ago, when I was working at my previous church, Flood, I oversaw post-college career, which was young adults, essentially. I also oversaw evangelism, baptisms, and new to faith. Because I was really... Um, well, I am really, uh, I'm really drawn to people, particularly non-Christians, pre-Christians, I like to call them, to understand just how reasonable our faith is and how amazing it is, how it really is life and life to the full. And so we had this class called Questioning Christianity. And since most questions will involve something uh, written in the Bible or involved some type of biblical theological response, theologies rooted in our uh, biblical scholarship, you want to help people understand the authenticity of the Bible. Thus, one of the first questions we're always asked is, how, what is the Bible? And what's the Old Testament, New Testament? And some other questions are, how, how can I believe such an old book? How do we know it's even its original content? And... Who decides what belongs in the Bible? How do we trust their judgment? And how do we know it's not part of a legend? And I actually just want to go through some of those questions with you all. This will be more of a teaching. That's okay. And I, I provided you the notes just so we can kind of let it wash over us the first time. And uh, this is something I go over in the gathering. And if you who are listening would like a copy of this, I will. Um, I can email it to you easily. You can just email me at andy at diveintoflood.com. So I go through that in the class. I'm not going to go through it on the, this podcast. Sometimes it's good just to leave a few things out, just to say, hey, join us on a gathering on Sunday, and um, you'll hear more. But I do also want to help those who missed just start grounding themselves in the Word. And there's, I'm only going to go over two ways. I'm sure there's more ways to read the Bible of just how to study the Bible and then how to pray or reflect in the Bible. And the first one um, how to read the Bible. God's word for us was, first of all, God's word to them, the original recipients. Thus, the task of interpreting involves a reader reading at two, le two levels. Involves a reader at two levels. First, we must cross the bridge of time to hear what the original audience heard. We must try to understand what was said back to them back then. This is really a lot of what people do on Sundays. They take people, hey, well, this is the original context. So what was the original context? The author, the audience, recipients, location, time. What's the genre? 
What are we reading right now? Is this history? Is it poetry? Wisdom? Parable? What was the original meaning and intent? And how is this Bible congruent aligned with the overarching larger story of the Bible, God's meta-narrative? How does the book of Ruth, how does Leviticus, how does the book, the letter to the Romans all fall into the larger narrative of God's greater story? At the same time, we, we got to cross back over the bridge in our time and place to hear the same word, uh, to hear that same word here and now, meaning like what is the significance for us today as we read the Bible? So we go back in time on a bridge, time travel, and we kind of hear what's going on there, and then we take the truths that align with God's greater narrative for us today, and we ask, what is this significant for us today? How do we live this out today? What passage are meant for certain times and places? Uh, like, like what passages are meant for all times and places, like loving your neighbor, and which passage can we draw a principle from, like covering your heads in worship? There's a lot there, but I think the big thing is understanding there's a, as many scholars talk, a hermeneutical bridge. That's the study aspect. Understanding the original meaning, this is exegesis, and then contextualizing that for us today. That's studying. Helpful. There's also reflecting and praying it. And I'm only giving you a, a form of this. This is like Lectio, divine reading, as the Latin would say, Lectio Divina. That's an opportunity to pray, to prepare our hearts, to read, to reflect and respond and to rest. So I'm going to go through that and then we'll practice it. That we pray, hey God, give me the grace to completely open to you this time. That's St. Ignatius. And then we prepare our hearts to be still in silence for a few minutes with God. To love your soul and choose a word like love or grace as an anchor when distraction comes. Then we read. We read the prayer or the scripture to take in its meaning. We read it one or two times, slower and slower, as you would a love letter versus a newspaper. And then we consider what is a word or phrase that stands out to you. And we don't judge, we just stay open. And then we reflect, hey, how does this word or phrase intersect my life right now? And then what do you sense God inviting you towards through this word or phrase? What is your truest response? Is there any resonance there, any resistance? And then hopefully we rest in God's word. And so we're gonna, we're gonna do that right now. And then I'll invite the band up and then we'll benedict together. All right? So uh, we're gonna read the passage we had today. So Lord, we just prepare our hearts. God, give us the grace to be completely open to you in this time. We be still in silence, for you love us. We choose that word, love. We choose that word, love. Help us understand the beauty the expanse, the righteousness of your love, Lord. Scripture says this, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught, for you know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, that first time usually washes over you, so I'm going to read it again. And this time I'd love for you to think, is there a word or phrase that just stands out to you? Not to judge it, just to take hold of it. And there may be resistance there, there may be invitation, there may be joy. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. For you know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip people, equip his people to do every good work. So, as we read that, is there a word or phrase that stuck out to you? I feel like I should have amen that. Amen, Lord. Amen. Amen. We take hold of that truth. But as we read that, is there a word or phrase that sticks out to you? I would encourage you to read 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Again, and just to respond... What does God have for you? What, is, what may he be inviting you or challenging you to do? And ultimately, we just want to rest in that truth. So right now, we rest, Lord. And we thank you for your rest, for your truth, Lord, your love, for the gospel, the good news of Jesus who came and lived that there was anticipation of this written in the scriptures. There's reflecting, a looking back written in the New Testament, Lord, so that we would know that you died for us. You live for us. You live in us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live in you, Christ. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There are next steps for this message. One is to... Read the scriptures. We've been in Matthew. Just to read with us as we read in Matthew. And in a couple weeks, we'll be starting back up with Matthew 10. Another next step is for you um, to consider who's somebody in your life that you can share your faith with. This idea that each of us want to reach somebody. Each one reach one. And finally, just join us next week in person, 10 a.m. on the uh, 19th, where we talk about what it means to be attentive to the Spirit. I pray that God meets you today. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.